as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Joining us on 710KURV is uh is one of the big brains one of the guys with the uh, 200 iq travis nix is a current jd candidate you know what that means baby a jurist doctor he's his mother wanted him to be a lawyer and here he is he's at georgetown law is he with, really? a, with a concentration in tax law and he's got a well, he's got a, he's got an opinion piece out on the wall street journal that says higher taxes won't save social security to tell us why is travis nix Attorney joining, at Law and Buzzkill. Joining us on your 956 Drive Home. So set the stage for us, Travis. What say you? Thanks so much for having me on, guys. <laughs> so basically the headline is um, as we're having this um, forecoming debt crisis where we need to raise the debt ceiling, Republicans and Democrats are discussing numerous ways to keep all the our all our entitlement programs that are draining the federal government of all of its tax dollars and the reasons or um, raking up such a high deficit they're trying to save these programs so one of the proposals that they're talking about is um, raising payroll taxes which is what funds Social Security and Medicare but specifically on the Social Security side um, if they raise the payroll taxes, that they'll be able to basically kick the can down the road. So instead of the program going bankrupt in 2035 or 2032, depending on what report you look, it'll go bankrupt now in 2045. The fact of the matter is Social Security is a broken system. We don't have enough younger workers. We have an aging population. So it needs complete structural reform. And higher taxes aren't going to be what saves the program in the long run. So on a scale of 1 to 10, um, and like number 10 is like sweet meteor of death. Where are we at right now? (laughs) I mean, right now the CBO today just came out with a report saying um, it's going to go bankrupt now in 2032, which is even earlier than we we expected. So the program... Um, it's probably at a nine at least right now. That's something you look forward Travis to anyway. Travis Nix is a tax law expert from Georgetown Law, joining us on your 956 drive home. Go ahead, Davis Rankin. Uh, let's jump to, well, what would you do about it if they made you in charge? Yeah, I mean, so basically we need to return Social Security to what it was when it started. So it was passed in the Great Depression basically as a last resort for older, older workors who basically ha- they had their retirement accounts wiped out during the Great Depression because yeah. the stock market completely crashed. So it was basically welfare for seniors, essentially. So what we need to do 
is raise the retirement age so people get it later since we're living longer now than what we did when the during the Great Depression when it passed. And we need to basically say, if you earn over a certain amount of money, like me or any other lawyer out there who earns a lot of money, um, we should not get Social Security. The, it should go to the people who made lower incomes in their career and they need the supplement when they exit the workforce and retire. So it needs to look more like an anti-poverty program than what it is now, which is essentially gives a lot of rich people um, a lot more money than they put in when they retire. And there's no reason that they deserve this money. What about, um, you're right, the billionaires don't don't need Social Security or Medicare come to that, but uh, what's the moral justification for taking money from them that they will not see again in any form or fashion? I mean, that's essentially how we fund our entire government is well, taxes. I walked um, into that swinging door and I realized that you put in to pay. No. Excuse me? No, I said I walked into that door. As soon as the, the words <laughs> left my lips, I thought, uh-oh, I know the answer to that one. But um, – Yes, we we take from the rich and give to the poor, that kind of thing. But this is usually it's disguised. This is overt, right? So Warren Buffett, it sucks to be you. You can't get your Medicare. Um, I guess I'm popping off and not asking a question. How how do you achieve this? Because I, I don't know what the Republican Congresspersons have said in the last say six months about Social Security, that kind of thing, but. President Biden stood there flat-footed and said they want to do away with it. Now, I, haven't, I think that was a prevarication, but maybe you know you're up there. So, how how do you even get this to be discussed? I mean, that's the problem right now. As we saw during the State of the Union, President Biden accused the Republicans of wanting to cut Social Security, which then led them to say, "No, no, that's not what we're trying to do." And um, so it's very hard to get any of these entitlement programs mm-hmm. to be discussed in structural reform. They just keep kicking the da- can down the road and saying, just funding it a little bit more, a little bit more tax revenue, which is what this proposal is. And it doesn't solve any of the problems. They just want to pass the problems off to future politicians when they're retired, making their nice pensions, um, and let other people uh, take the blame for it and take the political hit for it. Do they, That's what it seems is going on. They don't, uh, uh, elected congressmen do not participate in Social Security, do they? Don't they have a separate retirement program? Yeah, there's a congressional pension. Um, I'm not sure whether or not they participate in uh, Social yeah. Security. And I know they don't participate in Medica- Medicare. But I am unsure about Social Security. Oh, okay. They get to make the laws for us that they then don't live under. Oh, that's a sweet deal. Um, have you seen any movement, assuming that the Republicans would do something about it, have you seen any movement from Democrats or Democrat think tanks or anything like that towards your position? Uh, not, um, Joe Manchin, actually, Senator Manchin of West Virginia, came out with a statement today that uh, that the White House and um, Senate leadership, so Senator uh, Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, need to be um, actively negotiating with uh, Republicans to try and solve some of our major budget mm. issues. Other than other than him and probably Senator Cinema, I haven't seen 
much at all because the White House is taking the stance. We will not negotiate at all um, yeah. uh, when we raise our debt ceiling. We're not going to cut spending at all. And that's the position that they're taking right now. And Senator Manchin is one of the few Democrats who are actually telling them to negotiate with um, Speaker McCarthy and the House Republicans. Uh, what, um, what What do you think the uh, – I mean, as we talk about this, it strikes me that I'm not for doing away with Social Security and Medicare – I once thought that was privatizing was a good idea. Then my father got to be very old, and I thought this is ridiculous. He could never figure this out. So, um, what's the what do you think is the thinking of the people who oppose any change or any change that's on the table now? Uh, what do they think is going to happen? Have they said? I, I I don't know what they. Yeah, I don't know what they. I think okay. that the current political establishment does not want to engage in trying to solve the problem because they know that they can just um, let future politicians um, take the political hit for it. Because in 2032, when everyone's benefits are cut, then we're gonna have a serious discussion on what to do and all these structural reforms. But no one wants to touch it now. It's like this magical box where if you even discuss it, it hurts you so much politically. You must, uh, you yeah, must be like, on your it own. It really is like the sweet meter of death. Because if it were coming, they would tell you, "Don't look up. <laughs> it's not coming. Don't uh, worry." They're, about they're, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if they have their <laughs> own look at the sun. <laughs> they have their own retirement. It's not tied to Social Security. It's going to be probably better funded. Um, what What do they care? I mean, uh, I hate to be that way, but um, do you? Um, where uh, where can we we got to we got yeah. to finish up here I'm baby. Not done where, yet. Where, uh, where can we <laughs> where can we read the uh, entire opinion piece Mr. Nix? Yeah, so it's um, in the Wall Street Journal. Um, you read the title earlier and then it's all over my social media. My Twitter's at tnix and i x 113. And so I'm always tweeting about taxes and stuff like that if it's, people want to find me. It's at the Wall Street Journal. It's called Higher Taxes Won't Save Social Security. Our guest is Travis Nix from Georgetown Law. He's finishing up over there. Uh, expert in tax law. Joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV, you. your 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. I now yield the rest of my time to Mr. (laughs) Rankin to introduce our next guest. Take a picture of this because he rarely yields the rest of his time. Uh, Governor Greg Abbott in the State of the State Address, which he made at a private business in New Braunfels, which is a break from uh, the way it's been done for years, usually in the Capitol. 
in his speech, he listed priorities, things which are going to go to the top of the list of the legislature. They've got to deal with those first before they can, do with any, before they can deal with anything else. It's the governor's privilege. Uh, it says here, without mentioning last May's gun massacre, the murders at Uvalde Elementary School have it called for compliance with school safety standards, plus more mental health professionals in schools. This is the summary written in the Dallas Morning News. He also said all Texas students should have access to education savings accounts. The voucher-like initiative typically gives families public dollars, tax dollars, to spend on private school uh, or uh, some variety of public school, like a charter school. Uh, the Dallas Morning News says that the governor gave no specifics about how he wants the program to work, but how much students could receive. He, he gave no specifics about how he wants the program to work, how much students could receive, or what accountability measures would be in place. Josh Sanderson is uh, was once with the Association of Texas Professional Educators, but he moved on to the Equity Center. And uh, he's deputy director, and he has an opinion about all this. Thank you for being with us. So, governor's on track or full of baloney? Which is it? <laughs> I wouldn't call him. I wouldn't call him full of baloney. Um, I would say that this idea is one that um, you know that our membership. We represent about six hundred school districts across the state, and work with them strictly on school finance issues, on funding. Yeah. Um, our members have vehemently opposed this concept in the past and, and still do, you know, for a number of reasons. One, philosophically, they don't think it's good for students. Two, financially, it has uh, the ability to have a long-term negative impact on our neighborhood public schools. And, you know, and really the biggest issue here is the constitutional issue. The Texas Constitution calls for a system of free, efficient public schools. And this, uh, this flies directly in the face of that. Let me pose a, um, I think they call this a dialectical. So, so you guys are opposed to taking tax dollars and turning them over to a Catholic school staffed with those fabled Irish nuns who do a great job of educating people. You don't want that to happen, right? See, that's I'm sure they do do a good job. Um, when, no, we are against that concept again for you know a, a number of reasons that I listed out before, but wow. you know also. When you t when you look at private schools, and they certainly deserve this right, but you know it's not really school choice. It's um, yeah. every public school student wouldn't be able to get into any private school they wanted to. Specifically, students with special needs, uh, students that are more expensive to educate. Yeah. Um, you know, we know that some special education students in the public education system can cost fifty thousand dollars a year to have their needs met and to be educated. And we know that's problematic within the private school system. And so whether it be Catholic schools or, you know, a private business that runs a school, there is no accountability in that system. We do a lot of work in Texas making sure that our tax dollars are spent efficiently and are spent well and our students' academic needs are being met. In the private school system, that's not the case. Josh Sanderson is with the Equity Center, uh, which has been around for, I don't know, a biblical generation anyway. And uh, to which many Valley schools, maybe all Valley schools, uh, are, are members and they fight in the legislature for, for things. Um, it, is this likely to pass? I guess everybody needs to know that uh, vouchers, school vouchers have been proposed in the past, but a combination of Democrats in the legislature and Republicans, rural Republicans, they're opposed to it. And this issue never goes anywhere. Is this a different year? I don't believe so. I think we're going to see the same um, 
play happen all over again that we've seen in the past. Um, you know, we're, we fully expected to pass the Senate, but uh, the House has been the kind of the roadblock there in the past because of that coalition that you just mentioned. Um, I think that it'll get to the House. It very well may get a hearing in the Public Education Committee, but I don't expect it to pass, no. One of the ways, uh, I, I guess people like you, people who have to watch the legislature, legislators, and read tea leaves, is to look at who is assigned by the leadership to uh, to consider a bill. So this would be typically referred to the Public Education Committee in the House of Representatives, who the makeup of if i'm right about that what's the makeup of it is the makeup that you know of uh happy with it or are they hostile to the issue of vouchers well it's going to be close but it appears that the makeup of the committee is not uh conducive to the bill passing uh, right. there are both like as you pointed out uh, there are um, rural republicans who oppose this concept for a number of reasons and several of them are on the committee so, uh, no, the makeup of the committee, as we see it at this time, uh, doesn't look like it could get through. Now, you also pointed out that the, the governor spoke kind of in vague terms about the concept. No details of this plan are really out yet. Specifically, yeah. you know, if, uh, if, if the voucher, you know, were to pass, how much would it be for? Are we talking $5,000 or $10,000? And so those details are going to matter. But, um, I believe on a philosophical level that uh, it doesn't have a chance in the house. Josh Sanderson is uh, deputy executive director of the equity center. Zach. Aside from the obvious of just throwing a lot of money at the problem, what needs to happen here? Huh. So throwing a lot of money at which problem specifically are we talking about? There are plenty of them. <laughs> There's so sorry, many sorry, yeah. throwing. Yeah. Instead of, uh, well, no, it's it's broad enough brush. I think if, if for the entire education system within the state of Texas, it, uh, aside from just throwing money at the problem for the long laundry list of hey, well, teachers are overworked and underpaid, and we need you know supplies and equipment, and uh, even this this voucher deal. I mean, what what are some ways that we can streamline uh, ed our education in the state of Texas? Okay. Well, that's a good question I and a tough one. Um, you know. If you look back over the last 20 years, you know, the public school academic accountability system has over and over again become more rigorous, more tough. And that's one of the reasons why more resources, more funding has been required, uh, bringing in more educators, um, more educational assistants and the like. And so, you know, funding is a big component of it. If you look at teacher attrition right now, we're at the highest levels we've seen in recorded history. You know, they're leaving the profession. Uh, if you look at what the legislature and Governor Abbott did in 2019, you know, they did a very good job reforming the education system, making it more efficient, doing away with things that were unnecessary, and increasing funding pretty significantly. If you look at what in inflation has done to that increase that they enacted back in 2019, we would have to spend about $1,000 more per kid just to have the buying power we had back in 2019. And so... You know, fund is just unavoidably a large component of this. That's a lot of inflation from 2019 to 2023, a thousand dollars extra. Lord. Um, right. It's an expensive. I that's a multi-billion dollar problem when you start talking about it, uh, you know, on the large scale, the 5.4 million kids that are in public schools. 
Are now, there, there proposals for alleviating the yeah. workload that teachers have to make them less burned out? Because there's a lot of stuff, and I, I have like a lot of anecdotes that I don't have enough time for in this segment <laughs> to talk about that they're complaining about. But uh, the amount of administrative things that they have to do that takes them away from the actual job of teaching is one of those things. You know, the Commissioner of Education, Mike Morath, has been talking about that a lot lately, and he's right. Um, you know, we do things here differently in our public education system than other countries do. And if you look at some of the countries that have done better than us academically, one of the key things is the time that their educators are given to plan and the amount of time that they're required to be in front of teachers, uh, in front of students actually teaching. They spend substantially less time than our educators do. So you're exactly right. Our teachers are, you know, overburdened with a number of academic and, and planning requirements. And so it's going to be very difficult to address that in one session. I think it's a multi-year approach, but at least that conversation is starting to happen where in the past it's kind of been pushed aside. Josh, thanks a lot for your time yeah, here today. Appreciate it, as usual. Josh Sanderson is a deputy executive director at the Equity Center, joining us on 710 KURB. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURB and KURB.com. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news. On News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. Education is going to be front and, is front and center. It's always front and center when the Texas legislature meets. And if you are, um, if you are in education or your kid goes to school, then you also are involved in education. And somebody who has, um, I guess, made his life in education is a fellow named George McShann. If you're a reader of the Valley Morning Star, you will have seen his picture in there uh, from time to time. He was 30 years on the Harlingen Independent School District, and he is now a consultant. At least I think you're still consulting, aren't you, George? If you get paid, right? That is correct. You wait for the check to clear, and then you start consulting, and then... That's what I would do anyway. <laughs> uh, um, we want to talk about uh, Black History Month. February is Black History Month, and uh, not to be um, politically correct, but uh, my view is every day is History Month, regardless. Um, so, uh, and I, as I told George, I used to say we just, the reason we don't have a whole lot of black people down here is not because it's so far away. It's because well, we didn't have slavery. That's that's how people come to be in a place. And then boy, was I wrong because uh, there's been a, a a black presence or a pleasant presence of black people in South Texas for since before the civil war. Now, why is that? Because they were coming through here, people coming through here to get to Mexico to get away from slavery. And um, yeah, it was uh, on the underground railroad even then. But before we get to the, I guess what we're going to talk about, have you heard any stories about that? Does anybody down there have any 
any um, stories to relate about their family and how they came to be here because they were running away? No? Well, not specifically running away, running away, but we know about the, uh, the Jackson family, the Webbers, um, that, uh, in Hidalgo County, the Jackson family that, um, came through here on the way to Mexico, but stopped, um, in the, uh, area of, uh, Donna, uh, McAllen area settled there. That was back before the civil war. Um, any, to your knowledge, any of the black families here, descendants of, uh, people who, who, who were on the, uh, underground railroad and then said, they just stay here. Or they're all they're all Not newcomers. Per se, but when we take a look at let's say let's say a hundred years ago, uh, we had a family, Calandreth. Yeah, Calandreth family, Bill Calandreth, settled in San Benito, Texas, and uh, was a, a huge landowner and an entrepreneur, and was instrumental in uh, starting the first black school in San Benito around 1952, and with that. We he had businesses, uh, mostly were related to agriculture, uh, and also uh, small businesses to support uh, black people. Such as many worked on the railroad, uh, many worked as longshoremen at the port of Brownsville. So they needed a support, and that in San Benito, uh, Joe Calandreth family was the one that started that. And with that, you had the Davis family. Lonnie Davis, as many know, uh, his father, yeah. um, L.B. Davis, started a business, a longtime business owner. And Lonnie Davis is here now is a longtime business owner. And in Brownsville, we had um, the Longshoreman um, uh, yeah. there. Um, uh, I think O.T. Pettis, I understand his name, was the one that started Longshoreman uh, Union, where black longshoremen could work, work on the port, you know, loading mm-hmm. and uh, unloading because uh, the white the uh, white produce, people uh, white people wouldn't let them in there in, yes. in that union segregated union. Uh, what is exactly. it exactly? What was exactly. the what was the event you spoke at? Who organized it, and what did you tell them? Well, uh, on last Saturday, February eighteenth, uh, we had a steering committee um, headed by by Lonnie Davis, myself, several others, and from Hidalgo uh, County and Brownsville and. Uh, we uh, wanted to do something about celebrating black pioneers of the Rio Grande Valley. So those individuals uh, were displayed um, in the convention center, and we showed uh, a description of their contributions um, to the black community. And with that, they've laid the foundation for people like myself who came down here over 50 years ago. I was in the field of education and also the health field as well. So they laid a foundation for us to begin to uh, be uh, difference makers uh, mm-hmm. in the community, not just the black community, but for the entire Rio Grande Valley. We're talking with George McShann, a longtime educator, 30 years on the Harlingen School Board. Um, and I, I'm assuming you are not there anymore by your own choosing and not, not because the voters chose otherwise. Um, where do you come from? I don't think I've ever asked you where, where you came from to get here. And then why, of all places, to come to Harlingen, Texas? 
Very good question. I grew up in Bastrop County, which is contiguous to Travis County, mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, Elgin, Texas, where I grew up on a farm. And I went to the segregated Booker T. Washington School, graduated in 1965, went to historically black college, Prairie View A&M University, which is a branch of the Texas A&M, mm-hmm. Texas A&M University system. I graduated there in 1968, went to Oklahoma State University on a fellowship to get my master's and doctorate. But that was during the Southeast Asia confliction of the Vietnam War. Oh, yeah. I was re- so I was reclassified and military being drafted. So I was being drafted into the military, came back home, and um, the local selective service board um, called me and said, George, you get a job teaching science and mathematics in a low socioeconomic school district, we'll give you an occupation deferment. I said, what do you mean? Well, it's more important for you to teach science and math in a poverty district than you going into the war. Wow. Well, little did I know, I had two weeks to find a job, and uh, (laughs) Superintendent in Round Rock, Texas, connected me with a person in Brownsville, and I got an interview there and was hired um, same day uh, and uh, came to work in Brownsville as a high school science teacher. That's how I got here in 1968. Um, were there many black <laughs> students then? The rest of history. Did you have any black? Did you have any black students? Uh, there were, yeah, there were. Let's say one, two. There were about six black students at the uh, high school in Brownsville at the time. There was only one high school in Brownsville, which is now Brownsville Hannah. Yeah. One high school, and I, at the time, I was probably the only black male teacher that they had. Probably the first one hired in Brownsville, 1968. Um, so there were very few. I knew all the families, the Phillips family, the Turner family in particular. Um, that was it. Did you um, uh, teach them sufficiently that they went on to have careers and didn't end up um, didn't end up not going to college. I mean, college is not the end all or be all, but we like to think it is. I suppose they doing good. Well, what happened with me when when I um, st- started to teach? I noticed my class the names surnames were a little different. I wasn't used to Jesus, and um, <laughs> yes. so I thought it was Jesus instead of Jesus. Well, soon I found out that. Um, you know, it was Jesus, it was Guerrero, it was Sarete, it was Pettis, Martinez, Saldivar. I learned how to pronounce the names correctly, and they respected me for that, that because your name is so important. Uh, so my students were 99.9% uh, Hispanics and, 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 and white. So uh, the hmm. few students that I did run into, uh, I did work with them. I did that for two years in Brownsville. So I became a teacher of all kids. And I see some of my students today that still remember me, by the way. They're retiring from work now. Wow. And some are lawyers, some are, you know, professional teachers or whatever they've done. Mm-hmm. They still remember me because I cared about the kids. And uh, that was the difference. I think caring and doing what you should do to empower mm-hmm. them and let them reach their hopes and dreams. And that was my whole idea whether they were black or whether they whatever they were, ethnicity was no, was a non-issue for me. Tell you so, what, uh, um, so I I experienced it. I had a great experience there. So we'll have you back. It's Black History Month. We're going to tell you about the history of black people in the Rogan Valley or the valley's history with black people. And that's George McShann of Harlingen. He's an educational consultant and thirty years on the Harlingen School Board. You're listening to the nine five six drive home on seven ten K U R V.
You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Davis. You know, the President of the United States, uh, Mr. Biden, went to visit Ukraine. He was praised for that by a writer at the National Review, but because I don't subscribe to that, I, I don't know why praised him but i was just surprised right so president snuck over there they told russia that we told russia that he was going right before uh, he got there and um he trucked he trucked around doing doing whatever presidents do when they visit and um well i guess i'll ask my guest dr david fisher is is back with us he teaches history at the University of Texas RGV, and he and his wife both have spent time in Moscow and in Ukraine. Is it fair to say you both speak Russian and Ukrainian? It's fair to say our Russian's pretty good. Our, uh, our Ukrainian's pretty uh, pretty minimal. Oh. Well, I won't make the joke about all you need to say, don't shoot. But um, And Ukrainian and Russian are different enough that one can't figure out the other? Russians and Ukrainians can understand each other, and okay. uh, Ukrainians and Poles can actually understand each other pretty well. Okay. Um, so uh, they're all part of the same language family. So uh, it, it, we're talking with Dr. Fisher because he is in contact. From the very beginning, he's been in contact with friends back yonder and uh, has uh, raised money on their behalf. I I don't know how many we're talking about. And then didn't you tell me that some of these folks have showed up on your doorstep? They came over here to make sense. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Friends that we've had uh, from uh, when we were there uh, a decade ago um, had their windows and doors blown out in the first few days of the invasion. They were displaced several times, and my wife finally convinced them that they should uh, try to come over through the State Department's uniting for ukraine program so they arrived in december and they've been with us for about two months uh mom and her son uh living in your home i'm guessing you have smaller children yeah 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 well we've got one kid in college and one kid in high school so the college kid her room got turned over to the visitors (laughs) you gotta quit posting those pictures of small children (laughs) you and your um so um what do they think? I mean, interpret for, for us what they think. Um, are they going to win? Um, Russia is so big. So, so yeah, all weapons. the Go ahead. All the Ukrainians that I talk to have no doubt that they will prevail in the end one way or another. Um, they were thrilled by Biden's visit today. They... Um, are very grateful for all the assistance that the Americans send over. 
as well as the assistance they get from other people as well. Um, it's extraordinary how they lived through uh, the darkness and the cold. Our, our friends were going up and down uh, 11 flights of stairs to get uh, mm. water uh, in November and December. Um, things have improved there a little bit since then, uh, from what I hear. If uh, well, By the way, Dr. David Fisher teaches University of Texas RGV. He does, your wife doesn't teach there. She does uh, research, as I recall. Um, what, That's right. What, uh, what do you teach? Um, well, I teach Russian history, uh, and my, the last time I taught it in the fall, and I basically made it a Russia and Ukrainian history class to bring the kids up to speed. But uh, I also teach world history and some U.S. According to Vladimir Putin, or the reporting on Putin's views, uh, Ukraine is just part of it's part of Russia, and he's just trying to get back what what uh, belongs there. No, right. That's what any uh, any tyrannical emperor says um russia and ukraine are neighbors and they do have a lot of shared history but they also have uh shared separate histories and the ukrainians have gone the route of uh, wanting to be an independent state and the uh, uh russians under putin have decided that uh they need to rebuild a russian empire and so they're going after ukraine first uh, that's how i see it well to to the extent you know, which is asking a lot, um, I, I read I read accounts of people close to Putin or people who are Russian Empire enthusiasts. Um, some of them are characterized as fascist. That that's such a loose term. Um, what what um, I'm not sure what the what what the question is, except I'm surprised that there are still, I don't know if there's a lot of them or just people in the right place, think that, yeah, the empire needs to come back together. We have to just do what we got to do to get people back inside. Is that, that's a problem? Yeah, there's a, there's a really deep uh, tradition in sort of Russian culture of uh, seeing the world very much as us, them. They're with us or you're against yeah. us. Not the, the kind, I don't know, kind of consensus and compromise you see between modern state. So there's a lot of support uh, for Putin's uh, argument that uh, they had to attack Ukraine because NATO was about to attack them. But um, there's some grumbling up in the higher ranks that this war is just uh, uh, too expensive and it's really undone 30 years of uh, economic progress that they've had. So uh, it's not quite clear how things are going to turn out, but for the short term, for sure, Putin is going to continue pushing and uh, you can see on the ground that the military offensives are about to be unleashed if they haven't uh, already started from the Russian side. Uh, we're talking Dr. David Fisher teaches history, uh, including Russian history at the University of Texas, RGV. Uh, there, I, I, at the beginning, I did a quick search and found some Ukrainian Orthodox churches. I found a Ukrainian Catholic church, I think, in Houston, none of which returned my phone call. And there was an organization in San Antonio, I think called Ukraine or Ukrainians, and I talked to a woman. Do you know if there's many Ukrainians uh, in in Texas or here in the Rio Grande Valley besides the, the, the mother and her child at your house? There are... There aren't there aren't many Ukrainians in uh, in the valley. There are there are a few. Um, there's uh, a few visitors. There's a few uh, permanent residents. Um, Texas has actually received a large number of Ukrainians through the 
through the State Department's United for Ukraine program that allows people mm-hmm. to come over if they have a sponsor here. And they're all in contact with each other, sharing news and information about um, how to uh, how to best uh, make ends meet and um, carry on with life here in Texas. So I don't know the exact numbers, but it's uh, in Texas it's substantial. In the Valley, it's not terribly high. Uh, any um, do, do you know if they raise money over here? Um, this is not a good. Ex- this is a an example for the listeners by comparison. It's not. I'm not talking about the same stuff, but the is, is government of Israel has shown up around here selling bonds for Israel. I think I went to a bonds for Israel dinner one night years ago. Um, I didn't buy a bond, but I got invited to the dinner. So uh, is Ukraine over here raising money, or are they anywhere raising money, or do you know anything about this? No, as far as, far as I know, the Ukrainian government's not doing any fundraising in the way of like selling bonds and whatnot. Yeah. Um, officially, they get commitments from the EU and other uh, Western states to get uh, donations to help them meet their budgetary needs. But then uh, lots of nonprofit uh, organizations raise money for different causes yeah. to help support uh, different areas within Ukraine, everything from pets to veterans oh, to yeah. um, uh, people who are injured and children, families, families. Uh, and uh, all the rest. There's some very active groups in the United States that do that. Well, we we I've read that China China is going to start giving Russia or selling Russia something, some sort of offensive weaponry. I, I assume the North Koreans and the Iranians, or well, the Iranians have given them or sold them some some drones. Uh, my my question would be, uh, and, and the Russians are about to launch an offensive but i've also read from legit sources that like almost all their tanks are blown up they don't have any that they don't have much stuff left uh what do you hear they, that's that's what i that's what i hear too their reserves are, are non-existent or very low um they have a, a significant commitment of people and resources already in eastern ukraine and they don't have much to uh, back yeah. them up with the they are trying to get material from the Chinese, which the Americans have warned them about. And um, yeah. I'm not a China expert, but I, I would guess the Chinese would prefer a weak Russia, but yeah. not a collapsed Russia. So um, as long as Putin's in power, then uh, Russian yeah. politics stay pretty stable. But when he's gone, it could very well turn into, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. a, a, quite a quite a chaotic situation. I got I got to go, but I'll close with this headline for you from Al Jazeera. The uh, the owner of that uh, Wagner Group of mercenaries is alleging that the Russian military is denying ammo to his guys, to his mercenaries. So now they're fighting amongst themselves. Doctor David Fisher, thank you very much. You're listening to 710KRV. This is the 956 Drive Home. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB.
As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.